the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, episode 63. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Hey, Tammy. How are you? I'm Happy good. summer. <laughs> I know. I know it's not like officially summer, but I'm in like sloth mode already, so it's, it's feeling like summer to me. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, in Texas, it's. I mean, we we care not <laughs> what what day the the solstice uh, lands on because it is full on summer. Yeah, here, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, just being there, yeah, it gets really warm there and humid. So yeah, your summer already started. Oh, weather-wise, sure. weather-wise. Oh, we're talking about the weather again. Look at us. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we do um, that. Because it, it's, you know, it's, uh, we, I'm, I don't know, I always say that and perhaps I'm shallow, but the weather does affect me. So. No, I'm, I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> well, I have a quiet home. My guys are on a road trip to Montana, and I am really happy to be out here today. Um, we're trying something kind of new with the podcast today, and um, we wanted to kind of let our listeners know what's up. It's not going to be totally different than what we normally do, right? I mean, we're right. It's not going to be totally off format, but we thought, you know, we've been talking, Sandra and I, and there's just a lot of women that we know, that we admire, that we want to connect with. And that we feel like their stories are really super inspiring um, and that we felt like women would want to hear them. Um, so we thought we would interview some um, ladies this summer and do a little shorter format. Um, we'll see. You know, we like to, we like to gab, right, Sandra? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're not making any promises. So but we, this is our summer series attempt. Yeah. So we'll do, a, we're going to ask three questions of our guests. Basically, kind of like what we already do, we're going to ask them how they came to the decision to stop drinking. Um, what's lighting them up in their world, you know, and, and what are they doing to fill that void or that space that maybe alcohol took before? And then, like we always end up with, it's going to be about what's in your sobriety toolbox. So, or creative toolbox, if they have that too. And we just thought that conversations would be, like, they would flow, right? Like, just be a little more organic. Yeah. Sandra? Yeah. Okay. That is exactly what's going to happen. Well, good. Well, we have, um, why don't you introduce our guest that we have today? So today we have our friend Natalie Fairbrook. We talk about Natalie on this podcast all the time, and she's here with us right now. She lives in um, California, Santa Rosa, to be exact. She's an office manager by day, and that is her job that pays the bills. She just finished her Baptiste-inspired 200-hour yoga teacher training, and she starts teaching her first class tonight. She's also a recovery coach and a passionate teetotaler. Her life revolves around recovery. And we're so happy to have you, Natalie. Yeah, welcome to the show, Yay. Natalie. 
Hi, ladies. I'm so, so happy to be here. Thanks that, for having me. You're, well, did that feel like the red carpet for you? A little red carpet? A little virtual it red did. carpet? <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> to do like a little tap dance with a top hat, you know? <laughs> oh, well, I, we talk about you all the time on the pod. So it's really nice to have you here with us to, to introduce you to our listeners so they know who this Natalie person is. <laughs> yeah. So glad to be here, you guys. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, um, before we jump in, I, I know to the hard hitting questions of our of our podcast. Um, I want to just know: Would you mind telling a little little tidbit of how you came to know how we came to know each other, and um, how you came to know Sandra? Sure. Just like a um, short little thing. Yeah. So, um, Tammy, you and I did hip sobriety school back in. January of 2016. And, um, you know, you reached out to me, we lived a couple of towns over from each other and met for that fateful day for coffee. We were both like, such nervous little mice. It was so cute. <laughs> it's so funny when, you know, when I look at it, when I look back at it, how different and um, so much blossoming has happened since that day. And, you know, our I think our friendship um, it was a very fast friendship in terms of, um, just really diving in, no small talk, like really getting to know each other very quickly. Um, and I, we were naked on our second date. That's always a good story. Um, <laughs> you know, we went to the, the lady spa and did the, the sort of bathing ritual and sauna and, uh, and I'm it glad just you finished that thought up. Kind of grew from there. <laughs> I, I do that with all my friends I meet for coffee. Yeah. So if anybody wants to meet me for coffee, we'll be getting naked on the second date, just so you know. <laughs> it's a good time. It's a good time. And then, um, and then you know, you had invited me into your gratitude circle, and um, then I think not long after I became a part of that, Sandra did as well, and I knew of Sandra through the home group. And um, sort of admired her from afar. Um, and then we all just, you know, slowly, organically got to know each other through sharing these beautiful gratitude lists daily. And, um, you know, that really opened up a lot of conversations and, you know, really getting to know someone sort of um, much more intimately through their daily stuff. So right. it's been beautiful. I mean, I. I never realized that I would find these incredible friendships, um, you know, later in life. I thought that that was all sort of come and gone. So well, I feel so lucky to know you guys. Same. Well, when, when we met, I remember the very first time meeting you, like, and so I wanted to, I, the reason I asked this is for the ladies who are listening. I know lately we've been talking a lot about in real life connections since we've just had done this Austin women's circle together. And, um, you know, we do tea and toolboxes together where we have a little meetup and share tools and have tea with ladies. And, um, but meeting someone and having coffee and connecting is really, um, important. Even if you don't drink coffee, you know, just meeting someone for a beverage that's not, a glass of wine or a margarita it's in the beginning of sobriety that's really or all throughout but it's really it's like a just reaching that hand that's like me too right like I need to find my person that actually gets what I'm going through because my my friends who still drink don't get it um even if yeah, they want and, to and I have to say too that after you do it one time it gets a little bit easier every time right even you know I, I met up with a couple of women last night that I didn't know, but I met through a, a sober Facebook group 
And um, I have to say that, you know, there's always a little bit of butterflies, but it gets easier every time you do it, if, after you do it once. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's, it's nerve-wracking, for sure, mm-hmm. but just do it. Like, that's yeah. my biggest advice, I would say, is just go for it, because once you see someone and can lock eyeballs with them and know that there are other people out there that are feeling probably almost identical to what you're feeling, it's just so empowering and so beautiful. I mean, yeah. just so just go for it, even though it's scary a little bit. <laughs> it's like a blind date. And right? um, <laughs> except for we get the benefit of we were in the in a secret Facebook group together and I could kind of see your posts. I could see your humor. And I was like, yeah, I want to have coffee with her. You know, it was like I'd been online dating website where you're already kind of looking at someone's profile. And I was like, she seems like fun. I'm actually, I think I want to have coffee with her. And the, Thank I don't. Thank you for swiping right. <laughs> swiping right. <laughs> well, and too, even if you have wildly different uh, interests and tastes, we all have that common thing that brings us together. And that's where we can connect. Absolutely. Now, yeah. um, I hope you don't mind me saying I'll, I'll use generic terms, but um, I think you're okay with this. Um, see how this is going already? I'm going to surprise the guests. <laughs> no, we, we, we talked about a lot about our friends and the friends we used to have and just how it wasn't the same connection or we were we were getting sad at seeing, you know, like people getting together and doing all of these things that we were no longer invited to. And it was really hard. And, and we weren't at the exact same place in our sobriety. So maybe I had gone through that a little bit before you. And I just remember us talking and me going, well, maybe, maybe try this or, you know, maybe don't follow them on Facebook or, and not because I had it all figured out, but just that maybe I had, I had done that to a few people and we just started sharing things, um, with each other to help each other out. And I think that's what the in real life meetup is, is like, um, sharing maybe what somebody's already been through maybe that can help another person and finding our own friendship was really key um especially as we were losing friends from our old life either that they were moving on with their social structure or I lost my best friend you know just from this earth so like loss is a big part of early recovery I think and I'm really glad I found you Nat Yeah, same for me. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, it's really lonely because, you know, people are looking at you like you're crazy considering, you know, you're, I mean, it's not crazy to be blackout drunk every weekend, but who am I to think that it's okay to stop drinking? And yeah, it was very lonely and very sad. And my whole friend circle went away. And, you know, it turned out that these people, while they were my friends for this period of time, it turned out we maybe just didn't have that much in common except for drinking. And that was really a painful time. And so meeting some some ladies, uh, and especially Tammy, in real life, um, that was just such a game changer for my sobriety. I don't know that I would still be sober, honestly, if I hadn't you know, made these connections because it is very lonely, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly can be. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, we do have, we can change it, though, you know, we can, we can change that, 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 that structure. It's just hard. It's, it's, um, it requires action. (laughs) Right. And yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah, because you have the support of, you know, like, I had the support of my family. And so don't misunderstand me. That was I was so blessed to have that. But that that friend connection is something that's just so different than 
than your family. You know, it's, it's that next level. And also somebody that can look you in the eye and say me too. I mean, that just is changes everything. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm glad we said yes on that rainy day and had coffee and, and got naked a week later. It was really good. I know. <laughs> and then we went to Costco, I think the week after that. So we had like a lot oh, of good my. dates. <laughs> Ladies, if you're listening. Yeah. yeah. If you guys need any date ideas, we've got them covered. <laughs> yeah. You helped me out a lot. And that was what was so cool. Um, just saying, you're like, 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 it's no big deal to Natalie. You want to go to Costco? And I'm like, um, yeah, I, I have anxiety about Costco and the parking lot and I can't. And she's like, well, I'll just meet you there and I'll show you how I do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was great. It was great. We even bought matching sweaters that day and she, she later returned hers. <laughs> the pressure was real. <laughs> I'm like, let's practice rigorous honesty here. <laughs> she's like, I'm not ma- wearing a matching sweater to you. That, that was wrong. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, that wasn't as short as I thought, but I, I do love, I love how we all met and how we all converged in Austin. Um, I think we went to a convention together, a, 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 a convention together and giggled and laughed. And yeah, well, let's jump in Nat. So, um, let's go, um, the question that I think we start all of our podcasts with and try to ask um, our guests is just, you know, how did you come to the decision to stop drinking? Like what, what did that look like for you? Well, um, you know, to kind of just go back to the beginning, just really quickly touch, you know, I've always sort of knew that I wasn't a normal drinker. I mean, um, I blacked out the first time I drank when I was 15 and that should have been just this giant red flag that never really came up. (laughs) Um, you know, I was just super self-conscious growing up. I was picked on a lot. And so in turn, you know, I drank to cover that up and I was the class clown and, you know, I just did all the things to try and fit in. Um, and you know, now in hindsight, in sobriety, realizing that I was just extremely empathic and I didn't know what to do with, you know, all the feelings that I was feeling, um, not just my own, but everyone else's, like I could really feel, um, everyone else's energy and I took everything very personally. And so I found different ways to numb out from that and, you know, drinking and, you know, I smoked my fair share of pot and, did all the things. And so, um, I think honestly, it just sort of escalated year over year. Um, I went through periods of very heavy drinking socially, mostly not so much, um, solitary drinking. Um, and then other times where I was able to moderate, but like, no matter what, um, it always just took up so much room in my brain. And, um, again, one of those things that I realized after I got sober, just how much space it took, when I was going to drink, how much, who was I going to be with, was there going to be enough, um, all of that. And, um, you know, the people that I hung out with were all very big drinkers. So it didn't really occur to me for the longest time that my drinking was abnormal or, um, or excessive because, it's just kind of what everyone else was doing, you know? Um, so really my, like I said, it just escalated when I got, um, separated and divorced. Um, 
I was drinking very heavily, um, not so much when my children were with me. We had an alternating schedule, and so they, um, when they were with me, I was very careful to not drink. Um, but, you know, as the separation got longer and as the years went by, um, I wasn't as careful. Um, really, my quote-unquote bottom, uh, you know, I refer to it as that just because it was the darkest time of my drinking was when my dad died. Um, in July of 2015. And um, I, I was already drinking in excess, you know, really pretty regularly. Um, but it started to feel really out of control. Um, I was, you know, there was no moderation. I drank every day, even when I had, you know, already a debilitating hangover. It wasn't it wasn't like before where it was like, am I going to drink? Oh, at 10 a.m. No, I'm not going to drink at 2 p.m. Hmm, maybe I'm going to drink at 4 p.m. You know, I'd stopped at the store and bought some wine. Um, when when I was in sort of that two month period, um, there was just never any question. There was always alcohol. And, um, you know, I just would wake up every day just drowning in shame and um that feeling of having lost control and not knowing how to pull myself out of it was terrifying to me. And, you know, trying to piece together what I might have said or done the night before is Aaron, who's now my husband, he was not at the time. Is he going to be mad at me? What, you know, what did I do? And, um, and so honestly, one day I just started thinking about it. I didn't do a whole bunch of research. I didn't read all this stuff. I didn't do a whole bunch of anything on figuring out if I was going to try and get sober. We just were literally in a bar at happy hour. Um, you know, swirling my vodka soda. And I just said to Aaron, I said, you know, I think I'm going to quit drinking. I can't, um, I can't live with myself anymore, waking up every day feeling this way. And I said, you know, can you quote unquote, hold my hair back this weekend? It's going to be kind of a shit show, if you will. And he agreed. And it was, I mean, it was ugly and there was all the vodka and wine and, um, cigarettes, honestly, that I could get into my sad little body. And I woke up on, um, that Monday and was just sick, so sick. And that was my plan just to make myself so sick that I could never possibly even consider, um, drinking or, you know, poisoning my body in that way. Um, and that was just a little over a thousand days ago. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I just knew that my drinking was dimming my light, that it was, um, robbing me of everything, everything that it was lying to me. You know, it was like, I'm just going to drink to deal with my dad's death. I'm going to drink to deal with my, um, you know, trauma, little T trauma, big T trauma, whatever, all the things that I had shoved down and shoved down through my life. And, you know, it started out that you drink when you're happy. And, but I just was, I numbed everything. I drank when I was happy. I drank when I was sad. I drank when I was bored. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he said, there's no end in sight, right? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I came it. to that same, that same place. And, and like you, I didn't have a lot of forethought, really. It was just like, okay, well, I have opened, I have tried every door and, uh, you know, it, I'm out of options here. Yeah. It's just there's no, there's not going to be a day where uh, I can keep alcohol in my life and, f- and feel good at the same time. <laughs> there's not yeah, going to be was, a day. It was, 
I agree. It was an impossibility. And honestly, I found out afterwards um, and, and like maybe a month into my sobriety that Aaron, we were just, we were living together, but we, you know, we weren't yet married. And he said that he was heavily considering giving me an ultimatum. And I, I had no idea. I had no idea how truly fed up he was with me um, and my drinking and just my lack of focus or desire to do anything except, you know, sit on the patio and drink wine. And I was like, that's my hobby, bro. Like <laughs> I, smoking cigarettes and drinking wine and playing Yahtzee on my phone. How's that not a hobby? And he was just like, not a hobby. Right. <laughs> like, oh, Clearly I, I have goals here. Clearly. <laughs> right? yeah. like, I can see that. And I have all the hobbies and you know, he, <laughs> we have big conversations about this and he's just like, thank God. He's like, cause we would not be together. And so knowing that after the fact, it's just like, Oh my God, I saved myself not realizing that I was saving myself from maybe a future without him. Cause we're married now. I mean, we're coming up on five years together. I've been sober longer. We've been together and I've been sober longer than I was drinking in our relationship, which is really cool. It is. Yeah. Oh no, that's so good. So he didn't give you the ultimatum. You gave yourself the ultimatum, which is how it's how it works, right? That's how it's going to stick. Yeah. And I think he thought it was just going to be sort of like, you know, a couple months or whatever. And, um, and then I went on a trip to Europe and didn't drink and everyone was sort of like, oh, Nat didn't drink. And that's like with all my family that drinks in England and, you know, um, it just more days were happening, more days were happening. And, um, it became pretty clear that I wasn't going back to that life anytime soon. So what's your sobriety date? August 15, uh, August 31st, 2015. So, so you drank for two solid months after your dad died. Two solid, like, yeah, super solid months. I mean, when I think about it, I feel really sick. Yeah. Well, Jolene part was, sorry, Nat. Um, Jolene Park was on the show and she talked about, you know, these, these markers, kind of like these, these, um, 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 grief, um, a breakup, a divorce, um, a loss, um, of someone that you love. Like, um, these are like these markers where we kind of kick up our drinking a notch, you know, whether we mean to or not, or we're doing that consciously or subconsciously or unconsciously. I mean, um, it's interesting, and but it's interesting that you like had your big last hurrah, you know. Like I didn't, I didn't have a yeah. last hurrah, but um, it just happens, right? We just, I'm, so you wanted to make yourself so where you wouldn't want to drink again. Like you knew that that was it. Yeah, you set your mind yeah, to it. I, I really did, and I, and I, I mean, it was game on. I mean, it was it was a zoo. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, when I think about it, and. I mean, I, I feel so relieved. I feel mm. so relieved that, that I don't have to do that anymore. And that, that shift has happened. And it's amazing to me after the fact, all of the room that is available in my brain for all the things I didn't have room for anything else. I mean, you know, I wasn't reading books. Like the most I was going to do was flip through an us magazine because I wouldn't remember the next day anyway, what it was. I didn't have, I just literally didn't have the brain capacity for it. And it was, you know, it was, I was suffering in all aspects of my life at work Mm -hmm. and at home and just that presence of mind that doesn't exist when you're obsessing about alcohol. 
It just right. And this is the difference between, say, a normie and us, you know, because I think, um, you know, even when we aren't actively ingesting alcohol, it's 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 still all consuming. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I know I'm not a normal drinker because even to this day, I'm almost three years um, sober. And if I see someone walk out of a restaurant and leave half a glass of wine, I actually think to myself, WTF, like seriously. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, you know, those are the, those are the, the, the little flicks, like someone flicked me in the head. That's like, you are not a normal drinker. Mm-hmm. But you know, on some level, you don't, that doesn't click for you when you're actively in it because if everyone else around you is drinking to the same capacity, yeah. um, you know, you don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I just knew that my light was so dimmed. And I mean, just even looking at myself in the mirror, it was like, what are you doing? You know, you can do all the workouts you want and you know, it's like, it's just funny. It's like, Oh, I need to get Botox. I need to do this. I'm like, try quitting drinking and drinking all the water. Like you'll mm-hmm. age. <laughs> like seriously, my daughters are like, mommy, you're aging backwards. It's the weirdest thing. Right. You remove, you remove the things that are sucking you physically and literally sucking you dry. And all of a sudden you're like plump and good and your brain gets bigger. And you know, I mean, it's, it's everything. It's not just, it's your physical, your, your spirit, everything changes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I have like three questions I want to ask all at once. So I'm not going to do that, <laughs> but there's so much right here. So, so can you share, I, I want to get to later, maybe some precursors of, of how you knew maybe alcohol wasn't serving you that we can get to that, um, that we, you and I have chatted about, but can you share with our listeners, like when you made that decision, because I know you now, and I know how, when you decide something that you decide it, like it's, it's on, like you said, and you really stick yeah. to your word. And I'm curious, um, because I know your path, but our listeners may not, um, can you let them know how you've started to find your recovery, like what you used, what was your saving grace? What, what kept you on the path of sobriety? Sure. So, um, like I said, I got sober on Monday, August 31st and on Wednesday, uh, September 2nd, I was at work and I had always done like the high intensity training in the ego based workouts and, um, I knew that that wasn't going to serve me. That was like punishment for being hungover and punishment for drinking too much and sweating out all the booze. And I knew that I needed something different to quiet my brain. I knew I needed a practice, if you will, whatever that was going to look like. And so I looked up yoga studios and I was like, I'm going to try yoga. I had tried Bikram a couple of times and that was too hot for me. And um, so I kind of went on the internet and I was like, who has the best, you know, one week deal or whatever. And I came across soul yoga um, which is my my yoga studio now. And I walked in there and I felt community instantly. I mean, I was welcomed in with open arms. It wasn't, um, you know, there's this idea that you have to be a size zero and wear all the Lululemon and, and that's what yoga is about. And And I think, you know, that's a generalization, of course, but there are some studios that are very much like that. That's I've heard because I'm, I don't have a ton of experience with that. And, but that's what I've heard. And walking into that studio, um, I felt at home immediately. And so yoga became my AA, if you will. 
I mean, I started going um, sometimes twice a day. On Friday nights, they had a 4.30 to 6 um, yoga class, or 4.30, I don't know, I think it was a 70-minute power class. And I went religiously. And sometimes I'd go that morning, and then again, um, you know, I'd do like an early morning class, and then I'd go again in the evening. And so yoga and walking were two major things that saved me from myself um, initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I make the joke, like I was walking like Forrest Gump you live <laughs> right. up on the, on this hill called Fountain Grove. And I would literally walk up and over the hill and back and up and over the hill and back. And, you know, Aaron laughed. He's like, I'd have to call you home for supper. Like come home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> same. So yeah, same. yoga, walking and just listening to music as loud as I could get it. I hadn't figured out podcasts yet. That came a little bit later, but then once the podcasts were in my ears, it was the same thing. I couldn't get enough. Mm-hmm. It's anything right at first just to fill that void. Um, but then you were doing yourself a favor twofold because you were engaging your body, you know, whether you know, you're what you're doing or not. Um, it's, it's all says, I mean, it's, it, it, it's all part of a good, good recovery program, even if you aren't writing out your program beforehand. Yeah, exactly. You know, it just grounded me. It was the only place that I could go where my brain was quiet. My monkey mind was so busy. And, um, you know, I got on my mat and I was moving my body in ways that I never had. And I was moving my brain and my soul in ways that I never had. I mean, it was just all encompassing for me. It wasn't just physical. And that was the that was the shift. Mm -hmm. You know, the shift started to happen. I mean, I've always been sort of this this hippie, like, you know, my inner wild child, I kept it tucked away because of the circles that I ran in. And it was very much keeping up with the Joneses and all of that. And so, you know, I didn't let my hippie freak flag fly, if you will. And then when I got sober, it just slowly started to, to come out and show itself. And I was finally able to be who I always had been, but had been hiding. You know, this sort of empathic, give me all the crystals, yogi, get me all the tattoos, like, (laughs) you know, that just that person came out of hiding. Um, So it's just been really beautiful, like, figuring out who I am. I mean, this excavation started happening um, that I had touched on really briefly when I was like in my early 20s. and had started doing some of that. And, you know, I've dipped in and out of kind of woo stuff, but it never really stuck because no one around me was, was into the woo. And so I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it. And so it was really neat because yoga helped cultivate that a little bit more for me. Can you, um, can you tell our listeners how you found, um, Holly and hip sobriety? Yes. So I was, actually getting ready to go to what was historically a real zoo of a Christmas party. I mean, you know, we just all, we had a great time at this Christmas party, but I knew, um, I mean, it was an all or nothing event. And so I went online and I Googled something like, you know, how to stay sober in a drunk world and, uh, up popped Holly and hip sobriety and, you know, like three days later, I had literally like read, I had literally eaten everything she wrote. And and I read them over and over again. And I was like, Oh, my God, 
this is my kindred spirit. Who is this person? I need to know this person. And um, she had just posted about hip sobriety school and I shared it with Aaron and I was like, oh my God, look at this. I'm like, it's expensive. Like, what do I do? And he's like, no. He's like, that's how you're going to find your people. Like he knew I was just so lonely and so um, aching to find some other people in recovery. And, you know, it was just this rabbit hole that I went down and I signed up for hip sobriety school immediately and um, just fell in love with everything that she was doing uh, so differently, you know, this holistic approach of, um, how to get sober and how to not want to escape from the life that you're living and that it's not a, a a prison sentence. You know, this is, we get to be sober. We get to not drink. We get to choose what our life looks like. Like that, that just resonated so much for me that it didn't have to be, I don't get to, it's, I get to, you know, that's just perspective, right? Totally, totally. And, and I, what I like about you, Nat, and I think um, the thing that I'm drawn to as well is that you're really open. You're open to everything, you know, and yeah. um, even like when I would invite you to go to meetings with me, I knew that wasn't your jam, right? And I was like, but you were open to support me, you would go. And you went and sat next to me the night before I got my one year chip. And I, I it meant so much to me. You know, yeah. and Casey was on the other side of me. She flew in to be there for that. And to have, like, the two of you there was really awesome. And um, just your humor and your everything, just, like, how you make me laugh all the time. I mean, we giggle a lot on the pod, right, Sandra? But we just, like, the laughter. Mm-hmm. When we were in Austin, it was just, like, nonstop. It's such good medicine. And I didn't ever yeah. think I would find that in sobriety. I didn't think I would find my people to kind of um bring that light back like you said because it's so dim it's so dark and there's something about there's like that dimmer switch of sobriety where we're just kind of like slowly going up 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 and it's Mm -hmm. on like right now I do feel like it's on that's really really bright um Sandra if you don't mind I'm gonna ask one more question I know I keep talking but um you had touched on a little bit, um, Nat, about um, kind of rigorous, kind of strenuous workouts and stuff. And and you and I have been chatting a little bit about the step zero concept. Um, I keep a, a binder for when I help women in recovery and I have a whole step zero section. And I've been thinking lately about, you know, I have like what you do before you do step one is kind of this list I have. But then I started thinking about it like my real step zero was before I got anywhere with sobriety like I was fumbling around doing things and you and I have connected over chatting like we used to sign up for these punishing brutal early morning boot camps do you know of these Sandra oh yeah (laughs) right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we would say how many tires can you flip yeah (laughs) yeah like really hard stuff I'd wake up at 4 30 in the morning I would drive to town to get there by five you cannot be late And I would do this for like a year, year, year and a half before I figured out I had a drinking problem. But I was real proud when I didn't drink and it really sucked when I did and I had to go to these things. But that was kind of like, I feel like my, without even consciously knowing, that was my step zero. That was like, I was trying to, I don't even know, challenge myself, prove to myself that I didn't have a problem. What was that like for you when you were signing up for those things? Like, what did you, was that what you were doing too? 
Yeah, I mean, I was really, you know, punishing myself for for drinking and swearing up and down I wasn't going to drink, you know, Monday to Friday. And I mean, I make jokes like towards the end, it was like I drank in days that ended in why, because, you know, that idea of moderating all the time, um, doing the boot camps was like, you didn't moderate the way you said you were going to moderate this week, go get your ass kicked in, you know, uh, high intensity training or, you know, go to CrossFit or do whatever. But there, you know, there were a few times where I gave up drinking to quote unquote train for stuff. So like I gave up drinking for a full year to train for the Susan G. Komen three day for the cure. And that was in San Francisco. And that's walking 60 miles, 20 miles a day. You sleep on the ground in between in these pink tents, like a tent city. And, um, you know, I realized after, as I've been thinking about, um, different stages where I was able to really moderate and other times. And that's just because I got in some sort of mindset that I was forcing myself to do it. Right. Um, but when I quit drinking for those periods of time, how good it felt Mm -hmm. and really like, I mean, I can look at specific photographs and look at my face and remember, even though it was, you know, 10, 12 years ago, remember how good I felt and how alive I felt and that I was able to go to parties and not um, be hiding outside somewhere, smoking cigarettes because I nobody knew, you know, there was a group of us that we would just hide out and I never had to deal with that. And um, I realize now that those were little spurts of knowing that I was going to be able to do it at some time for always. I just didn't know how or when, you know, I mean, I can re- just mm. remember feeling like that and thinking it to myself. And yet every time I went back into it, I mean, it was the same when I was pregnant. I thought, Oh my God, I'm never going to yes. drink again. I feel so good. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, all moderation for me was, uh, you know, or, or lapses in drinking, uh, we're just, justifications that I, you know, didn't have a problem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the proof and, that you're you okay. Know, but, but even in those times, yeah, right. But all of those times I always knew though, deep down that I would go back to drinking. It was like, oh yeah, I'll, you know, even though I feel really good now, of course I'll go back to drinking because that's just what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until I, I actually was finally done. Like, you know, he, um, uh, I, I just knew I had more drinks in me, you know, and that was that's the reality of it. Really. I mean, I did. And I, my, my, um, my good friend and mentor says that often about, about people, you know, they be probably have a few more drinks in you. And, you know, and sometimes that is the reality of it. Um, but anyway, I, digress go ahead (laughs) yeah well it's just funny when you said that you know you still have a few drinks in you it's funny because even now I was in the grocery store with Aaron the other day and you know I'm standing there in front of the he's picking out some beer and I'm just looking at all there's all these new things that have come out since I stopped drinking and I'm like god there's so much alcohol that I never tried like I feel like I failed a little bit (laughs) I always just stuck to my you know my Sauvignon Blanc or my Chardonnay and and my you know my vodka and I was like there was just there was such a big wide world that I never touched on and I'm like thank god like probably I'd be dead by now but there's it's a little scary like the marketing and you know the 
it it's definitely shifted since I've gotten sober. I mean, like the forties of Rose, are you serious? Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a different conversation I know, but it's just interesting, um, being open and alert and awake to all of it. The things that we see that once upon a time would have been like, Oh hell yeah. Let me get out. I would have been right on that bus. Right. I would have been like, Rose forties in the park, two o'clock. Who's going to be there? (laughs) I made up a Rose Wednesday holiday. Um, in the summertime and I just got a, like a Facebook memory. Oh, aren't they great? I, I know you look at those too now, but I got a memory of, um, three cases of Unti Rosé on my porch that apparently I took a picture of and put on Facebook saying like, it's official. My holiday is here. Rosé Wednesday at my house this summer. Like anybody want to come? So lonely, so sad. Um, thought I was cool because I knew the winemaker and, you know, he delivered three cases to my house. No, that's because you're an alcoholic, Tammy. That's <laughs> that's not because, you know, because he's happy to sell three cases to one woman um, who used to own a wine bar and thinks it's real hip to to name a holiday. out. I mean, just the things that I did to continue my drinking. Um, but the the... I just told you that for like a year and a half, I did the step zero. And as you were talking, Natalie, I'm like, I did the Avon walk when my son was nine months old. I did the Nike half marathon when my son was five years old. I've been doing this a long time, not just a year and a half before. Like, (laughs) you know, it was kind of always there doing the boot camps for, yeah, um, that's interesting that I just put that together. Or you're doing the clean eating and Mm -hmm. that, you know, so there's no alcohol on that. And that's like a a 10 week thing. And, you know, and then you go out and celebrate and get drunk to celebrate. Yeah, you did it. Like that's, that's, yeah. I mean, it's like, I didn't drink for a year for the three day and we came across the finish line and chugged a bottle of champagne. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes no sense. No, I know. It so doesn't. Like, you know, it was on a Sunday, and by Tuesday, I was full-blown drinking again. Right, right. Yeah, you just get... You yeah, you, you earned it, right? <laughs> or that's yeah, what we I, think. Like, oh, I deserve this. It's not like I eased back in. I wasn't like, oh, hang on. I was like, who wants to go to happy hour on Tuesday? You know? And then, I mean, how often for you guys did this happen where happy hour at 4 o'clock turned into midnight and I lost my shoes? <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're not Cinderella. God. <laughs> you lost your shoe. Yeah. You're not Cinderella. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, this is what we call sober CSI, right? Now, like, we're, when you're so, when you wake up, well, you're not really necessarily sober, maybe, but that's what we've been calling it. But it's like you try to reconstruct the evening. You're like on forensics duty. You're like trying to find that shoe or grabbing your phone. Where did I park? <laughs> we laugh about it, but like, no, it's sad. A standing joke when I was you know, when I was first single was if I woke up, I always, you know, grab my thighs to make sure I was wearing pants, you know, because then it was like, I knew what kind of game changer, you know, I mean, <laughs> I say it tongue in cheek, but how sad, yeah. like, that's really, when I think about it, like, it's so sad. It's like this little girl that just couldn't figure herself out and stopped. Everything stopped at some point when we were really young, mm-hmm. maybe even it was the first time I drank and blacked out maybe I stunted and my body was like this is how you're always gonna drink you know I just it'd be interesting that I again separate conversation but those are the things that I sort of ponder like you know being predisposed to it or um if it's just a chemical or you know like what that looks like 
that would be an interesting thing to figure out because especially as our kids are getting older and being able to share that information with them. Yeah. Again, different conversation, but. Well, well, no, but in, in re, in, but um, reconstructing and trying to figure ourselves out, I think that's what we're doing when we're drinking, right? That's what it kind of feels like. And then we drink to stop maybe overanalyzing everything. You know, I would just think like, I'd wake up that morning and being putting it all together, finding my phone, um, wondering if why my husband's mad at me, can't remember, you know, for the life of me. But then by four o'clock, it seems to have left me and that I don't need to worry about that anymore. That was yesterday. Let's get, let's start drinking now. But yeah, it's very sad. I know we giggle and laugh about a few things here, but I, it's very serious. And for people who are still in it and who are still doing the sober CSI, like one thing my husband said to me that stuck with me. Now, I did not stop drinking for another five years, but he said to me one night, why don't you respect yourself? Ouch. And I was like, I respect myself, <laughs> you know? Who are you to did it? But those words, like, I may have brushed them off that night, but I did not brush them off. I thought about them all the time. And the more I woke up in the condition and the situations and the locations of where I woke up in the morning, I, it was true. I did not respect myself. And well, and that's just where the addiction piece comes in. Yeah. We always have to remind ourselves that alcohol is highly addictive. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it progresses to that, to that point, you, you break promises to yourself, you, mm. you, you lose your integrity, certainly not what you set out to do, but that's what ends up happening often. Totally. Sandra. That's well, well, yeah, you certainly wouldn't behave in the way you do when you drink, when you're in your right state of mind. I mean, that was never me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I had an alter, e- the alter ego, you know, Vanessa, she was my my alter ego that that you know it's you're doing things that you would most definitely not do in your right mind and sober and so that's kind of embarrassing too because you're like oh my god like who is that person that just popped up yeah you know Vanessa's retired right yes worthy (laughs) yeah Aaron you know that was part of the that was part of the the ultimatum because Aaron was just like, you know, he met her two weekends in a row and he was like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want to know her. I don't need to see her. She is crazy. (laughs) He's like, no, no, that's two strikes. That's two strikes, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Unruffled listeners, Tammy here. Just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. If you like what you've been hearing, we're asking for a donation of just $1 per episode, $4 a month. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. So now, so you're sober and you've done hip sobriety school and we met and had our love fest and it's been going great. (laughs) And so... As, as time progresses and you're approaching three years, you have all this space, right, to start creating a life that you don't have to kind of drink to get away from anymore. You don't have to numb out to it. So I wanted to know what is like lighting you up or how do you fill that void that alcohol once occupied? What did you 
what did you need to do? I know yoga was um, um, a practice that that helped you, but what did what did, what are you doing now that helps you pop out of bed and and be happy to be who you are? Well, you know, I just finished um, yoga teacher training, and that just had such a giant impact on me and my recovery. And you know, for Baptiste. Um, you know, there's three key parts to Baptiste teacher training. Um, the first one being meditation, the second being inquiry, and the third being asana, so movement. And the inquiry was just amazing. And so uh, having excavated is the word I use because I feel like, you know, I'm just like peeling back and digging up all these different parts and pieces. And so I can, I've can i continued doing that. And I do that every day. I do that in in my actions and how I, um, you know, how I interact with other people. And, you know, at the beginning, you kind of said, my life is, you know, all encompassing recovery. And, and I think that that's very true. But I think it's more just like living my biggest, brightest, best life and um, letting go of fear and limiting factors. And so, you know, ultimately, my goal would be to, um, to do all things wellness and yoga and recovery related. I'm in the um, recovery coaching program through She Recovers. And, um, you know, I have a one or two practice clients. And um, those are the things. I mean, you know, those are the things. Reaching out and, you know, my husband calls me the connector or the catalyst and bringing people together and... Um, you know, all of those parts and pieces that fit into this one bigger package of just living my best, most truthful life. Yeah, that's what lights me up every day. Truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just got this tattoo on my foot, Satya, which is um, one of the yamas. Um, the yamas and the niyamas are um, the, you know, the ethical sort of um, rules um, the ethical guidelines, um, and philosophy and yoga and it's truth. And so that's it. I mean, like everything I do revolves around truth and telling the truth and helping other people tell their truths and getting out from under the stigma that comes with addiction and just being able to know that you're not a bad person because you drank a lot or shopped a lot or whatever it is that you did that you can still um, use that as a tool to just really dig deep and, and um, be your brightest self, you know? Mm. Well, you're like a magnet, Natalie. Um, (laughs) You are. And when I went to Uh She Recovers in New York with you in May with 500 other women that were there, Natalie was like a beacon, Sandra, like people just came to her, you know, and she knew everyone and she like, you are a connector. And um, I am a sporadic um, extrovert. And then I'm like, I got to go back to the room. Like, this is a lot of people. And then I was like, do you know this person? And then I'm like, how do you know all these people? And you're so involved <laughs> online and with hip sobriety and with the, um, the other private Facebook group that we were part of, like you just knew everyone. And I'm like, I know their names, like I can recognize their names, but I haven't connected the way that you had. And so for you to do the start the recovery coach, um, coaching, um, that seems like a total fit and calling for you. Because you, you, 
you help so many women, Nat. Thank you. Yeah, it just felt right. You know, I didn't really realize that I was going to be so drawn to it. And I came home from She Recovers and I was talking to Aaron about it and about the coaching. And um, and he said to me, he's like, why not? He's like, I hear you talking on the phone with, you know, with your with your friends and, um, you know, and talking about recovery and stuff. And he's like, I just he's like, people hear you. He's like, you need to use your voice and and help other people. Um, and I just didn't, you know, it's that idea of who am I, who do I think I am to do that work? Who am I good enough? You know, that what I call the itty bitty shitty committee that just (laughs) likes to keep its thumb on you and say that you aren't good enough and you can't do it and you're not worthy. And, um, so coming out from under that and realizing that I am and could potentially help other people at the same time just really lights me up and makes me feel, um, makes me feel like I have purpose. I didn't, I didn't have purpose when I was drinking. And Mm. when I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to talk about and the questions and stuff today, I was like, one of the things that I kept thinking about was, you know, that drinking was dimming my light and keeping me from doing what I really wanted to do. But in all actuality, I had no idea what that was. Mm -hmm. I didn't have like these undercurrents of, Oh my God, I really want to do this. I really want to do this. Cause my brain didn't have room for it outside of alcohol. Do you know what right. I mean? So, yeah, you, you right? stifle, stifle possibility even. Everything. Completely. Yeah. So I couldn't, if you had asked me on day two what I want to be when I want to grow up, when I grow up or what I want to do, I would have had no idea. Yeah. And so it's just sort of organically came up came about by opening up my brain and giving more room and opening up possibility. Exactly what you said. Um, And that's how these things unfold too. And that's, that's so, um, you know, because it is hard to, it's hard. You're justifiably, your fear is justifiable because it's hard, hard to make a career out of something you're passionate about. But, um, if you just let it unfold, you know, there's some, there's some, that takes the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. Um, when you met, I, I know, um, you met Nikki Myers. Um, did you meet her at She Recovers or did you just sign up? For I her? met her at, yeah, I yeah. met her at, I went up specifically and spoke to her at She Recovers. Yeah. And I feel like when she had that chat with you, when you took her training, that she said something to you and I saw, a, I saw a shift in you after that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Can you share um, that? So, yeah, for sure. So I did the Y12SR training after um, meeting um, Nikki. At she recovers in May. Um, and I what's Y12SR? Uh, yoga for 12-step recovery. Okay. Um, Becky Vollmer, who's been a, a guest on your pod and is a beautiful human being, she flew out from St. Louis and we took this Y12SR training with another one of our friends, Mary. Um, and it was really cool cause Nikki was there and it was very hands-on and you could really ask her questions and it wasn't like, she's the teacher and you, you're just the student. I mean, it was, it was really great to be able to interact with her. And, um, I was just sort of starting to feel my way around AA. I have some contempt prior to investigation around AA with, um, some family stuff. And so I just really didn't want to get into it. And 
I asked her, I said, you know, so do you think I need to go through the 12 steps in order to do this work? And she's like, well, how dare you not? Because really you're just building on your emotional sobriety. And, you know, it turns out the way she explains everything, it's beautiful because the 12 steps and the limbs of yoga are very similar and very interchangeable. And um, it surprised me. It surprised me deeply uh, how much all of the different modalities really tie together and complement each other. And you don't have to just pick one. You know, you can take what you want and leave the rest. I mean, they say that in, in the rooms. And uh, I just loved that she was just like, how dare you not do this work? And how dare you not take that to someone else and share that? Because you don't have any idea. You could say one thing to someone and change their life. Yeah. We have that power, right? As human beings, you don't know what something you say or do and someone else is watching um, that may shift something for them. I mean, we're really lucky to know the people that we do and, and especially you guys having the platform that you do. I mean, I know you change people's lives. And so being able to take that as a teacher, um, there's, it's powerful. It's really powerful. Yeah, I saw I just saw something in you shift. Um, and it wasn't that it, it just was like hearing her words, like, I think that's what I'm trying to hit on, like the how dare you not to to everything, not just to yeah. teaching 12 step recovery yoga, but it was like everything in your life, like you could finally, the whole who do you think you are? Um, yeah, that's what you're trying to figure out. That's what we're all trying to figure out. You know, instead of looking at it as like a bad thing, you know, that we want to aspire or that, that you are empathic or that you, you do, um, you know, march to your own, the beat of your own drum. Like you, that's okay. That's okay. It's like acceptance, yeah. right? It's what we're all trying to, trying to figure out. Yeah. You just, yeah, you just shifted. I love watching it. I still love watching oh, it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, let's see. Where should we go from here, well, Sandra? Well, and I was just going to say, too, real quick, that it, it just um, that it doesn't have recovery doesn't have to be black or white mm -hmm. either. Right. I think that that I, I just wanted to highlight that, you know, you can embrace uh, working the steps and yoga. You can you can do yeah. both. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be this or that. Well, th that's I mean, yeah, it's like the idea of throwing the book at it, right? I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. what works for one person may not work for someone else. I mean, for me, what works is all the stuff, like the breathing and the essential oils and the carrying the crystals and the yoga and like all the books and podcasts. And, you know, I go to the occasional meetings with Tammy and that fills me up. And, you know, so there's all the different things. I still... Um, go back through the mantra project that Tammy and Holly put out to the world and, you know, I'll start it again because it's a 40 day and it's 40 day, right? I'm yep. Miss mm -hmm. saying that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have, you know, I have them saved yeah. on my phone and so I'll throw it on my phone. I'll read the mantra for that day. And so, you know, you, you, you go back to things and you have like this beautiful little toolbox, um, of just things that work for you that keep you, that keep you going. Right. Uh, yeah, I love it. I just, Natalie, I just think you're a beautiful example of how you can create a vibrant life for yourself in recovery. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. 
And you just keep seeking and searching and adding. And um, I think it's really, it's really beautiful to witness. And that's why we wanted our listeners to hear this too. Um, Sometimes we talk about like creating a painting is what I'm doing. And Sandra's creating these beautiful, um, you know, kimonos and other things. I know Sandra does a million things, but I'm just saying like, we didn't want it to be, you don't have to create a specific tactile product for, to be creative. You know, you are creating a life, um, that you're really proud of and that feels really good and you feel good in your own skin and it shows, it just shows you just, yeah, you have, you are no longer dimmed, no longer dimmed at all. Yeah. Well, and being able to like make the decision to, do something like, I mean, so, you know, Tammy, we talked about it. So it's like, I said, okay, I'm going to do yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. And then I, then the fear gets in there and it's like, who do I think I am? I'm 44 years old. I can't nail all the poses. Who do I think I am trying to be a yoga teacher? And then it's like Mm -hmm. that Nikki Myers comes back in my ear. How dare you not do this work? Like in every aspect (laughs) of everything that you do in your life, how dare you not do this work? So, you know, it's almost like a mantra. It's like, how dare you not for any of us, like anybody that's listening, how dare you not do what fills you up and lights you up, whether or not it's somebody else's cup of tea or not. If it fills you up, blow the world up with it. Like, oh my God, shine your light, right? No matter what Mm -hmm. you're doing, just live it as loud and brightly as you can. Yeah. Well, that's what we're trying exactly. to do. Love that's it. what we're trying to do. Thank you, Nat. We're, so we're not done with you yet, Missy. We have we have more things to talk about. <laughs> but yes, I that is um, that is um, your story and just how you've done it. Like I know this isn't um, this this podcast. Even though I know, I, I just want to explain to our listeners who who maybe are new. Like we know that there's really dark places that we all go with our drinking, and um, it's not that we are trying to pretend those things don't happen but when we chat with women on here when Sandra and I are chatting we're trying to stay in the solution right like we're trying to stay like what is the is um a conversation that's going to lift up because sometimes I go into my meetings and they can be really dark and I realize that there's a prayer that my my sponsor told me saying help me um hear what I need to hear help me share what I need to share and how I interpret that prayer I say it every time I sit down in a chair at a meeting and now I try to say it in my life too. Or when I sit down here to talk with Sandra and our guests, like I can change the conversation, um, by sharing something that maybe not so dark. Um, it's still there. The lessons are still there, but like that we can, um, like progress, there's progress being made because when I'm staying stuck in the muck sometimes, which I do, and I have little phases where that happens, but I like the conversations that we're having and that I think we're trying to have on this show. It's like, here's what I did. Here's what worked. Maybe, maybe try it. Maybe, you know, maybe that'll resonate with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the difference between living in the problem or living in the solution. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're living in the solution, it doesn't, doesn't mean that you're, you know, ridiculously optimistic all the time, although that can play into it. But um, it doesn't mean that you're unrealistic or that you don't acknowledge the problem, right. but that you are living in the solution. And, you know, and then that just, you know, like you said, Natalie, that just, you know, you shine your light and you are um, a model to other people 
people in the world of what, you know, good recovery looks like. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and the other, you know, the flip side to that is it's not all rainbows and sunshine. It doesn't come easily. I mean, it's not, yeah. Okay. So I'm a yoga teacher now. I, you know, when I make a decision, that is it for me. I make that decision. That's just something in my genes, but that's not to say that I don't have really dark days where it's like, Oh my God, this is bullshit that I can't drink again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, I I have those times where I'm like, this is so unfair and I'm really mad about it. And so even though I'm living out loud and I'm bright light and all those things, there are still days where I just can't even believe that that's not fair that I can never have Prosecco on a Sunday again. Do you know what I mean? And not Mm -hmm. because I Mm -hmm. want it but because those feelings are still real. And so that's the other, that's the flip side that maybe sometimes, um, you know, isn't said out loud that it is still very, there are still very difficult days. And, um, you know, my choice is to try and uh, outrun those and have fewer and fewer of those and to um, sometimes dig into those days and be like, hey, what's going on here that I'm, going sort of in that little spiral and how do I pull myself back out? And, and again, that then looks to the different tools that we're building in recovery. So, you know, we're all, it it may look shiny and smiley, but they're really, um, it's hard. They're hard earned. They're hard earned. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. It's, it's, it's hard work, but how dare we not do this work and how lucky yeah, the discomfort that we used to ignore and numb, and we have to we have to sit with. We have to turn it over in our hands. We have to examine it and um, yeah. and figure out, you know, how we're going to deal with it. Yeah. Now, but as- being able to without being, you know, in a death drinking spiral is just it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we couldn't do it otherwise. You know, we tried. We could. We wasn't. What, what was that say, saying? Uh, half half measures avail us nothing. Like I was halfway yeah. trying to do it all and it never, I never got what I needed. You know, I need full measures. <laughs> I need full measures. Exactly. Well, I mean, I used to when I was drinking, I was like, well, nobody likes a quitter. So like, no, I'm just going to stick with this. <laughs> ha. I have a shirt that says quitter on it that I bought from the sense right now, guys. I think I wore it to your house one night, Nat. (laughs) I think you did. Quitter. Um, Oh, (laughs) believe me, I was proudly a finisher. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Cross that finish line. You're not going to finish that? Let me know that for you. Well, (laughs) before we get to the toolbox, we're about to to the point where we're going to get to toolbox items, but... um, Stop me if this is one of your tools, Nat, but you recently have had this revelation that, that I think is really beautiful. And, um, you had it in your yoga teacher training. Um, and that I think you kind of figured it out towards the end, maybe the last day. I'm not exactly sure. I'll let you tell the story. And you called me up after your, um, after you finished and graduated and, um, and you told me a little story. Could you, could you, could you maybe we'd end, I think, with this new mantra you have and kind of this beautiful way of, I don't know, it's just really sticking with me. I think our listeners would like to hear it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was our last day in teacher training and just, um, you know, so full of gratitude and excitement and um, 
just wow. I mean, that was just the word that kept coming to me. And so um, one of the other um, students in my training led a meditation and she had sort of culled it together um, from some written meditation and then she made up some of her own. And so really the gist was um, that you were in this forest sitting in this outcropping of rocks and you have this big, beautiful white light around you. And I was really in this meditation. I mean, I could feel the white light around me. It was like the sun was shining on me. And, um, that doesn't happen very often for me in meditation where I'm so in it that I have all the feelings. And so it was really interesting. I think it was just a culmination of my excitement and all of the feelings that I was feeling. And she said, now you feel this presence, um, with you. And I could feel like this being, I can't really explain it. And she said, that being is young you. So it's you when you were younger. And I could immediately see young me standing in front of me. And um, she said, you know, young me is going to share a message with you. And if they do, grab it. And if not, then, you know, just keep, keep coming back to your breath, whatever it was. And young me just looked me square in the eye and said, try easy. And I just lost it. I mean, mm-hmm. the tears, I mean, I, I'm, I cry, but, um, sorry, I'm like choked it's up. Okay. <laughs> just thinking about those two words coming from little small me, um, you know, my mom says, and my story is that I learn everything the hard way twice. And so that has been my story for a really long time. And so when I heard those two words, try easy, it was like my brain exploded. Honestly, it was like, oh my goodness, it's so basic and Mm -hmm. just try easy. And I have this idea and story about being a perfectionist and it's like, just try easy. And in everything that you do, you can try easy and it seems so basic and it really is. But, you know, we create story for ourselves and we create all these expectations and all these things. And if we could just try easy, how much more simple it would be. And so I've just brought that those two words into my life. Tammy made me a beautiful piece of art that I have displayed that has those two words. Um, You know, I created business cards and some postcards and try easy. That's it. I put those on my that's my new mantra. That's my new way of explaining that we can live this life and try the easy way instead of the hard way. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the hard way is, you know, um, is the way to go. But I feel like we don't have to hold on for our life. We can let Mm -hmm. go a little bit and not control the universe and just try easy. So Mm -hmm. yeah, those two words. Yeah. I love that, Natalie. I think about that all the time. It's like, am I, am I floating down the stream? Or am I trying to swim up? <laughs> Which one? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And so it was just so beautiful that it was young me saying that to me. And yeah. and how, if I had heard that so many years ago, maybe things would have been different for me. But so, you know, just you hear what you're supposed to hear and you see what you're supposed to see when it, when you're supposed to. And the universe is, is tricky that way. The universe puts things in front of you when you need them most. And those two words, I needed them and they're beautiful. I mean, I'm teaching my first yoga class tonight and I'm all up in my playlist and this and that. And 
Aaron looked at me last night. He goes, try easy. And I was like, whew, thank you for the reminder. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> I, I see a tattoo in my future. Can you feel it? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I get so nervous when you get more. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, I'll come hold your hand. You don't okay. need it. Okay, <laughs> Tammy, try easy. Calm it down. Calm it down. It's not about you, Tammy. What? Okay. <laughs> it's so strange. No, I love it now. When you told me those words that day, when you sounded so happy when you made that call and you told me that story, and of course I cried and I wrote it down and I was like, oh, that's a really beautiful mantra. That's beautiful. That is that's a help, you know, that's a help. Yeah. That's something that you can say over and over again during your day when you reset or try to say something to redirect, to remind a sweet two word reminder. Like that's all it takes. Try yeah. easy. So thanks for sharing that story now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I could talk to you for days and days and I probably will after we get off this no. call. <laughs> But we're trying to shorten up these episodes this summer just a tiny bit, just so that we can, um, you know, get back to our kids and all the other fun things that we're doing in our lives. So um, I think it's the time where we ask you about your sobriety toolbox or creative toolbox, either one. Um, Do you have some tools to share with our listeners that they might, you know, jot down and try themselves? I do. I do. So, um, so first and foremost, yoga. Um, if you've not done yoga, give it a shot. You'd be surprised. It's not all about being bendy. It's just really about getting on your mat and, um, being present and, you know, finding your breath because breath is so important when we find ourselves in these really stressful times. Um, your breath is something that's yours. I mean, it's with you always. And we forget, we hold our breath a lot. And so, um, I feel like yoga and breathing are, um, you know, they go hand in hand for sure. Um, and you know, there's different kinds of breaths that you can use alternate nostril breathing and, um, things like that, that just bring you back to yourself. Um, and the same with yoga. I mean, it's so grounding. Um, anytime I feel like I'm going to float away, I just can do some sun salutations and it just grounds me and brings me back to myself and like just my most natural, simple self. Um, Mm -hmm. I was going to get a little bit into the yamas and niyamas, but I don't think I will. That's a whole nother conversation. We'll have to have, um, you, we'll have, to have you on another time for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, and so then my second tool would be connection. Um, and that's everything from in real life to online, going to, you know, AA meetings, doing meetups, women's circles, you know, uh, what our friend Caitlin, um, she lives in Berlin. And so we put, get on the calendar and we do like a Skype or a zoom call video call. And so we've never met in real life, but we see each other and we talk face to face and it's pretty, pretty close to the same thing. I mean, I know it's different to not be able to hug someone or whatever, but to be, again, to be able to lock eyeballs with someone is really, is really cool. So I feel like connection and community and, you know, in the, in yoga worlds, it's called Sangha, um, is that community that comes together and has these big, deep, meaningful conversations. Mm. Um, my sobriety would not look the same if I didn't have these connections. I mean, I think, uh, there's been plenty of times where that is what has kept me sober, you know, 
I mean, in early recovery and still even now, you know, I'll, I'll message you, Tammy, and I'll be like, okay, going in, heading into a party, heading into an uncomfortable, you know, can you be on call to, you know, make sure you have your phone because I'm going to text you or whatever. And, and, you know, I have that with quite a few people and that's super valuable because there's something really cool about being able to just sneak away and text and be like, Oh dear God, the repetitive nature has started. Or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it can be really difficult and it's hard and you don't want to be judgy. And, and yet, you know, I'm wearing my judgy pants and I don't mean to be, but you know, it's because I can see so much of that behavior mirrored in what I used to be. And so I have found that connection can shift that for me. Yeah, texting because, from right, the judgment is judgment is just really if you're judging someone, chances are it's something you just like about yourself. You have to pull out your mirror, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say just texting from the bathroom. As silly as that sounds, it's just it's really saved me, and especially in early sobriety. But even recently, when I had a dinner party at my own house, I'm texting you from the, my own bathroom, my one bathroom house. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll be back, people. I gotta go in the bathroom and text. <laughs> um. Just, yeah, and and it kind of helps, because um, it could go full drama, right? But but texting just is like a, like you're reaching your hand out a little bit. Got you. Text me when it's over. Text me when when you wake up in the morning. Let's talk about it. Like, we, or call, you know, we just, it's just a touching base. That's just a, a nice, to know that there's another person that understands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then my third is actually, you know, having a tangible toolbox. So, you know, get yourself a cute little bag that you can throw everything into. And so I, when I was thinking about this um, yesterday, I pulled out my toolbox, my little cute little bag, and I went through it just to kind of give some ideas. Um, So, you know, I have essential oils. um, And actually, recently, I've started mixing my own essential oils. And that's been really cool. That's been a whole new level of fabulous yeah, by the thank way. you which um has been a whole new level of creativity that I didn't realize I was going to enjoy so much being an alchemist so that's been really fun so essential oils you know a couple of crystals um lip chap like I use Tammy introduced me to Smith's rosebud salve um that's like a game changer you put on a little lip chap and you're like I'm shiny I'm okay <laughs> um I carry the these rescue remedy pastilles um they're, they're all natural. You can pop one. They, they take the edge off. I'm not really positive what all is in those. Tammy, I don't know if you... They're like flower essence or something. Right, um, like chamomile and yeah. yeah, a couple other things. Yeah. And they're like yeah, little so candies, like, like little soft yeah, kind of chewy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, you know, tea bags and mantras and like a little notebook and... Um, I have all kinds of mantras in there. I have all kinds of different things. And then the other thing is these, um, these feminescence maca pills that Sandra turned me on to that have ended up just being a game changer too. And so those of us in sort of this midlife area, um, again, probably a different conversation, but those have been super helpful for me as a woman. Um, so yeah, just having a cool little bag, you know, I realized I have one in my car, I have one in my purse, uh, I have one in my desk at work. So in case you were to leave your one and only, um, having smaller versions in places where you find yourself, um, it's very valuable. 
Because you just don't really know when that moment's going to kick in where you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. Um, Or you just need a lift. You know, sometimes I just am feeling wonky and I just need some essential oil in my nose to to pull me out or a crystal to rub in my hand um, to say some mantras. And, you know, the other part of that is my my malas. Um, That's, you know, another tangible thing that you can hold on to and and rub in your hands. And those are Sasha malas, Sasha malas. Um, I never leave home without mine. No, so. you don't. You are like her supermodel for Malas. You are like <laughs> this supermodel. She, mm-hmm. she puts all the woo into it, and yeah. you know, then it just grows from there. So yeah. So I mean, and those definitely would be a part of my tangible toolbox. Whether I'm wearing the Mala necklace, the 108, or the Mala bracelets, so. Just get yourself something that you can hold in your hand. There's so much value in that, really. So key. So key. I have mine in my purse. I need to replenish a few things, but I, same. Um, When we were flying home and I was was having um, that panic attack, Natalie was like the bag of tricks. Like she had everything. (laughs) She was whipping things out. Like, and I couldn't talk or say anything. And she just helped me. Um, you know, try this, here's this, hold this stone, you can rub this. And I held my mala beads in one hand and got me, yeah, you're, you're just, your bag of tricks of the oils and, and everything that you had was so helpful. The rescue remedy, um, pastilles, those, you gave me one of those. You were just like, I got all the tricks. Let's try them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you do till it passes, yeah. till you find the thing that works. Um, yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great item, a physical, tangible toolbox. Yeah. And you can make whatever, whatever works for you, whatever that is. I mean, it could be a photograph of somebody that is important to you. I mean, it could be so many things. It could be a locket that you wear around your neck. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that is in your purse. You know, it could just be something that you have on your person at all times to, to bring you back to yourself and to your breath. Hmm. Beautiful. Nally, thank you so much. Thanks for being our our, our first guest with our trying out our new format for size. I mean, it didn't feel too different to me other than, you know, the intro was kind of all rolled into one. So I hope I hope you enjoyed it. So good. So good. I hope I didn't talk too long. No, you're perfect. Can you the perfect amount? Can you share um, where people can find you? If they're interested in using you as a recovery yeah. coach, if um, your yoga, some things coming up, anything you want to promote, now is the time for you to just sell it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So starting on June 22nd here in Santa Rosa at Soul Yoga, uh, I'm going to be starting a yoga for recovery class. And that mm. is going to be on Friday nights from 515 to 645. Um, it's going to start with some meditation and then, um, probably about a 50 or 55 minute yoga practice and then we'll talk. And so these are going to be, there's going to be a five week series. Um, and what I'm going to do is have, um, chakras be themes for, um, the couple of series that I'm going to do and how chakras play into recovery and, um, you know, building a toolbox and really, so, um, this yoga for recovery is sort of a similar, um, idea that, you know, that she recovers has of being, we're all in recovery from something. So, 
Um, it's not necessarily just for people in recovery from alcohol. It could be people in recovery from anything. You could be in recovery from your parents. Um, you know, here in Santa Rosa specifically, you could be um, dealing with fire trauma. You know, we had these big fires in October. And so it's really open to anybody that wants to dig in a little bit and um, find ways to just really help yourself get through those hard times and get some tools under your belt to do that. So there'll be a five-week series, June 22nd to July 20th on Fridays. And then a second series. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, and a second series starting August 17th on that Friday and carrying through till September 7th. And I then have I'll be one traveling. question. Oh, I, I, a, yes. I wish I could go, but just one question. Can anybody jump in if they if they miss the first week? Absolutely. And they it's okay. not series, meaning it's just um, it'll be five weeks in a row, but you can come um, anytime. And it's um, it'll be for beginners, but, you know, you can – the beautiful thing in yoga is you can do what, however you want to do your poses. You can be more advanced. You can be newer. And um, there'll be different ways that I can help you um, decide what's best for you and your body that day. Absolutely. Um, and so if you want to find me, you can find me at NatalieFairbrook.com. My website is not yet live. I'm hoping to have it go live um, close to the end of this week. And so... Um, I'm also working on getting some of my essential oils on there for sale. Um, and so then any off offerings going forward, um, will show up there. And so my website's a little bit of a work in progress. Obviously anybody that's launched a website knows that it's, um, <laughs> it's never quite perfect when you first start. Mm -hmm. So bear with me through that. I've never, um, I've never had a website. So this is super exciting and new and, um, digging into that little bit of a creative side of me as well. So. Good. Stay tuned. And by the time this airs, we will have already finished and completed our first women's circle in Santa Rosa. So I'm sure it was awesome. I'm sure it was lovely. I'm sure we <laughs> just knocked it out of the park. Um, well, but and there will be more. That's what there I was going to ask. We are, yeah, we were hoping to plan them um, to coincide with, I believe, the seasons. I think so, maybe quarterly. Mm -hmm. um, we've kind of gone back and forth. So I think they will be happening quarterly. So please also watch for that. And, you know, um, we'll both be posting on our Instagram. So my Instagram is also Natalie Fairbrook. So if you want to find me, you just type in Natalie Fairbrook. I don't have any fancy names. I used to be fabulous 13. I'm still fabulous, but Duh. <laughs> name. <laughs> um, so same Facebook, everything. I figured that would be the easiest is just via my name. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Nat. You're a wonderful guest and a wonderful person and a wonderful friend. So thank you. Thank you. The feeling is so mutual. I'm so honored to have been asked to be on this amazing podcast, you guys. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. It's like sitting and chatting with my girlfriends. I love it. <laughs> I am. But so, you know, like, yeah. except live. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm just so happy, too, that our listeners can finally meet the Natalie that we refer to all the time. <laughs> I'm a real person. It's a real person. The Natalie Fairbrook. Yes. The Natalie Fairbrook. Yeah. <laughs> all right, my friend. I will chat with you later. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. 
Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening. Hello, Unruffled listeners. So we have produced a year's worth of content and have approximately 125,000 downloads to date. We can hardly believe it. We would like to give you, our listeners, the opportunity to help us continue to put out quality, meaningful content, but we have a big ask. We are both mothers and creative soulmates. We are multi-passionate and have many projects going on at once and feel like this is the right time to ask for some support. We talk a lot on our show about valuing your creative work and it's time we walk our talk. This is where you come in. So we've set up a Patreon account and your generous Patreon donations will help us to pay for hosting fees, better equipment, and assist us in our dedication to keep showing up here every week. In the future, we hope to take our show on the road and offer creative workshops in select cities across the United States, maybe even interview a few of our guests in person. In order to make any of this happen, we foresee the need to generate some revenue from the show. We believe that our listeners want to support us, so we're hoping that you can help us make these dreams become a reality. Our ask isn't huge. We're some sensible girls, right? We're really just asking for a dollar pledge per episode. That's $4 a month, less than a large decaf vanilla latte from Starbucks. A total steal, if you ask me. We'd love to offer some perks in the future, but first we need to get this campaign off the ground. We can circle back and check with you all later in the year to see what, if any, perks sound good to you. And we're just so grateful for our listeners, and we hope that we continue to earn your support. You can find our campaign on patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thanks, guys.